as I think of Palm Sunday and all the, the things that entails, I've got something that will always be a part of my memory on Palm Sunday, and that it's also um, Josh's unfortunate anniversary of running to the emergency room with kidney stones and finding out um, his aorta issues that he had himself. Um, but as we recognize Palm Sunday in our lives, I really want us to examine this morning what is our understanding of who Jesus is and what are our expectations of Jesus. Now, on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, um, I'd like for us to get in a, a real understanding of the mindset of where the people were at. The people um, in Israel, they were under the, the dark suppression of the Roman Empire. And so the Romans had been occupying them for a long time now, and they were becoming accustomed to living under fear of, with an understanding that if you take a misstep, if you show any lack of allegiance to Rome, that you will pay the consequences of that, possibly with your life. Things were severe if you were shown going astray from the way that the Romans wanted you to go. In the midst of this oppression from the Romans, they also had religious oppression from their own religious leadership. Religious leadership had become very legalistic. Um, they were putting oppression on the people about very detailed things of what they could and could not do that was um, beyond anything that was in Scripture. This was something that they were imposing themselves on what they thought it would take to be a faithful follower of God. But it was beyond anything in Scripture and was a burden upon the people. So the people were burdened politically. They were burdened religiously. And in this landscape, Jesus comes offering something very special but different than what most people were expecting. You see, the people were expecting this, this, this ruler who would come out of the lineage of David, who would come and save them. Save them from, and that's a good question, save them from what? To save them from being sad, save them from the Romans. They knew this, this Savior, this one, the anointed one, the Son of Man, as pointed out in Daniel, that there was this one who was coming and who would bring truth, who would bring justice to the people, who would bring life to the people. And then in the midst of this landscape, Jesus has been teaching for about three years. He has been sharing his, his teaching of who he is and calling himself the Son of Man and even the Son of, Son of God. And then he has done an ultimate, very public display of his power. He has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And he had been dead for long enough that they did not want the stone to be rolled away because they would be afraid of the smell. But in the midst of this, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead as a foreshadowing of his own resurrection that was to come. But the, the word was out. And that Jesus could raise people from the dead. He was challenging religious leadership. And he was coming to town. He was coming to Jerusalem. And the people were greatly excited about Jesus. However, as each person 
heard that Jesus was coming, I can only imagine that each person who went to go greet Jesus had their own image in their own mind of, of who Jesus is. Some may be looking for um, a healing from an ailment that they may have. Some may have been looking for someone to overthrow the Romans, that they're looking for a king to come who is finally going to organize them in such a way they can actually get out from under the thumb of the Roman Empire. They saw a king, an earthly king, who was coming. And others saw an incredible teacher, a rabbi who was wise beyond his years, coming to teach them. But they all had their own ideas of who Jesus was to come. But to have in their minds an idea that the risen Savior was going to be crucified, who was going to raise from the dead, I believe that was far from their thoughts, even from the thoughts of his faithful followers. But my call to all of us this morning is, what are your expectations of understanding of who Jesus is. As Jesus was entering the city, the crowds spontaneously erupted in a song. And as I, it'll be in the passage that we're reading now, but this, this song I have read, um, and what I've read about this song reminds me of actually of the musical, The Sound of Music. If you have seen that, there's a scene where the family, um, they're singing in a talent show, and at the end of that, they, they sing a song about a flower. And it's just a simple song about this wonderful flower that blooms and grows. But as you watch the, the movie or see the musical, the Nazis who are sitting in the, the seats become outraged that they're singing this song. Because the song about a flower means a lot more than a flower. It is a metaphor about their country, about their patriotism and their pride within their own country. So the song Edelweiss means a lot more than just about a little flower. Hosanna, as they're singing, this, this word Hosanna means a, a concept of, of God save us or bring us salvation. And so they're singing the exact right words as we reflect back on it today with an understanding that the Savior of the world was coming into Jerusalem. But because, as I mentioned earlier, people's expectations varied on what this meant. I'm certain that very few understood that Jesus was coming to bring salvation from their own sin. That was not, I think, in their, their minds as they were celebrating Jesus. They were celebrating their own understanding of Jesus. So let's read, begin reading here in the scriptures. Um, John 12, starting with verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. As I mentioned, this song is not only a song of, of salvation, but it's a patriotic song. It's a song that roused emotions within the people about the nation of Israel, about their solidarity in God and their need for a ruler. Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And so we have an understanding, this is a king. And make no mistake, Jesus is the king of Israel and king of the Jews, but in a way that they were not expecting. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. And now that the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So some of the Pharisees are commenting, they're being too patient. They need to to act quickly to squish this rebellion. What they see as a rebellion against them and against the Romans. Because they're missing the whole point. Their understanding of who the Heavenly Father is, who Jesus is, is greatly mistaken. And their expectations eventually crashed. So I think it's critical for us to recognize if we're not careful, we can be just like the Pharisees. We can be gung-ho for God, but really missing the point because our understanding of who God is is falling short. We could be like the one who is on the crowd shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, but we're simply expecting Jesus to be a physician and a healer who comes to fix our broken bodies. Or we could be like the one who is there recognizing that they need a a change in their lives. You see, we have to be called to a desire to really understand who Jesus really is. I remember I had a student years ago who was very passionate, was a, a leader in our group, who was passionate about friends and friends at school and feeling inadequate to explain faith to them. Um, this person asked their friend to, to, to meet with me so that I could explain faith. And I remember we met at McDonald's and we were chatting and I felt I, I was praying about God help me to communicate clearly And as we sat and talked, the person smiled and nodded, and I encouraged them to learn more about Jesus, for this person had very little experience of of thinking about God or had never been to church. And then at the end of our our conversation, the person thought very carefully and and said, you know, maybe I, I should investigate more, but honestly, I mean, just to be truthful, I really don't care. I don't care to spend the time and energy that it would to take to investigate Christianity or really any religion. I'm just, I'm happy in my life. I don't need anything else. And so thank you for your time that you've spent. Um, But I'm good. I'm good. 
And even though we may not say those words ourselves, we may think that is a little crass and a little bold. Sometimes we express that with our actions, though, by our lack of, of going to God in prayer, our, our act of, of not digging into God's word and learning his word, that we are actually displaying those words even though we do not say them. And it's critically important that, that our expectation, our understanding of who Jesus is, match who Jesus really is, not just our own imagination, or not just what the world around us is telling us. You see, there's a prince of this world who the gospel writer John mentions, this prince of the world who's trying to deceive us and always throwing wrong information fake news, as you may call it, at us about Jesus and who Jesus is. And so we have to be very discerning and recognize that what we learn about who Jesus is from world sources, um, through entertainment, through music, we don't know if that's truth or not. So what we have to do is dig into God's Word and reading the scriptures and see the nature and the character and who Jesus really is. So that we're not caught like the Pharisees or the others with a total misunderstanding of who our Savior is. Now within our church family, it's important we, we work hard to disciple. And this, this word, discipleship, is what I'm talking about. Discipleship is learning and growing who Jesus is so that we can change our who we are and our not only our behavior but allow God to come in and transform our hearts and who we are to be who God is calling us to be and through this discipleship process we can be who God is calling us to be and we do it with kids and youth but it's very important we recognize that as we enter into a relationship with God Discipleship is a lifetime process that we are called to, to continually be growing and learning of who God is calling us to be. For example, we're, we're very um, blessed now if we travel. Some of you may have figured out how to do like Google Maps and, and Waze and some of us not. But regardless, if we're going on a long trip, we may pull out Google Maps or we may pull out a map and look at and plot our journey on where we are to go. But very few of us, unless you have a really incredible memory, just look at the map or look at Google Maps before you leave and then put those things at home and leave them and then start on a really long journey. Because we may get the general right direction, but we may not get there. I remember Kelly and Eric were talking to me years ago when we first had the electronic um, mapping devices, the Garmin's and GPS things, and they said, they're really cool, they almost get you there. Which at the time was very true, and greatly improved since then. But it's the same way when we learn a little bit about Jesus and we start that journey with him, if we simply take the scriptures and just put them on a shelf and start our journey of life, and don't keep referring back to them and growing, we can wind up getting lost. We can wind up getting almost there, but not quite there. So it's very important, this, this process of discipleship is 
intimately connected with what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because we want our expectations to take us where Jesus wants us to go, not where we want to go. See, very often on this journey of discipleship together, we're called to face things that are difficult. We're, fa- we're called to many times face things that are painful. And if we're simply living life to only be happy or to avoid pain, we may wind up not taking the course that Jesus is calling us to take. You see, we're called to grow into who Jesus calls us to be. In order to really understand that, we have to know who Jesus is through discipleship. And so for all of us this morning, I want us to to ask the question, have I considered following Jesus with all that I have? Have I simply misunderstood to be a follower of Christ that you, you start the journey and then simply starting the journey is completing the journey? Or do we have a fuller understanding that when we just start that journey with Christ, that it's a lifetime of learning, a lifetime of growing, a lifetime of discipleship to fully understand? Because I know in myself, my puny little mind, I recognize needs to be growing to fully understand who Jesus is. And I'm, I'm growing in that understanding all the time as I strive to be who God is calling me to be. And I, I make a lot of mistakes along the way. And as I make those mistakes and then I, I pray about that and I turn to God's word, hopefully over time, I'm growing more and more to be who the person God is calling me to be. But I didn't, where I'm at now is different than when I was when I first became a Christian when I was 16 years old and from when I was 18 years old, and when I was 20 years old. So I think the challenge that I want to present us to is that we always have to be growing, we always have to be learning, and we always have to be pursuing who Jesus has called us to do. And to do that, we have to be following Jesus with all that we have, every day, as we get up in the morning and as we pursue a relationship with Him. And I want to challenge you, let Let this Easter be the most spectacular celebration that you've ever felt. Because as this this week, as we're approaching Easter, let it to be, let it be an amazing event in your life as you allow Jesus to completely control all that you are. Dear Heavenly Father, as we thank you for an understanding that sometimes our expectations can be off. Um, as we are influenced by all the forces of the world around us, that we can not have a clear picture of who you are. So God, this morning, we just pray for clarity. Clarity and understanding your awesomeness as we strive to glorify your holy name. God, may we allow you to transform us to who you call us to be. In your precious name we pray, amen.